Good morning, everybody. Is this thing on? I can't hear myself think. I surely, oh, now I can hear myself. There we go. Well, good morning. Isn't it great to be in God's house this morning? Welcome. If you're a visitor with us today, you know, we're glad to have you. And there are visitor bags out in the foyer. So if you're here and you're visiting, and you, or maybe it's your second or third time and you haven't got a visitor bag, be sure and get a visitor bag out of the foyer. And uh, we're going to stand up and kick this thing off. There's still a few people coming in. And uh, we're just going to have fun and celebrate Jesus here this morning by standing to our feet and looking in your praise book number one. Your praise book number one, it'll be easy to find for us people who can't count very good. We just got to get... Anyways, uh, I'll be listening, okay? And you stand to your feet and praise book number one. Yes. When the Savior calls, I will answer. standing if you can and uh, Brother Roy is going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings you brought to us and to this church. We ask you to be with Pastor Steve as he's healing from his surgery and we thank you again for all the blessings and all the challenges you laid before us. In precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated and uh, there's plenty of announcements that are in your bulletin every single week so uh, if you want to see what's going on here at Butte Creek Baptist Church, just take a look in that bulletin. And uh, Lenora does a great job printing these up every week and keeps up with what's going on around our church. And other announcements, I'm going to ask Kathleen to come up and do a few announcements. And then I've got Linda standing up back there. So come on up, honey. This is my wife, Kathleen. And she's going to come up and do some things that aren't in the bulletin. 
Linda? Okay, and the cost on the tickets are five dollars each, or or five for twenty. That's a deal. Okay, that's a bargain. Mm -hmm. Okay, good morning. Last Wednesday, July thirteenth, we had a gathering, and I want to tell you about it. It was a lot of fun. It was held right here at six o'clock. We had a hot dog potluck, and then we had a prayer uh, gathering. Where we pray for our community, we pray for the church, we pray for our pastor, and we pray for each other. And it was actually very joyous. And so July 27th, that's two weeks, that's not this Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday, please join us at 6 o'clock for pizza and a potluck salad. And then we're going to have another prayer meeting, and we're going to have a video, a short half-hour video. And it was really joyous. So I'd like all of you to come. It was a lot of fun. And then I have one last announcement. Please save the date. To me, this is the best church function that brings us all together. And Lenora and I have been co-hosting it, and this will be our sixth year. It's the spaghetti feed and dessert auction. Please put it on your calendar, September 23rd at 6 o'clock and there'll be more announcements to come about it, but please don't miss that. That is good food, and the dessert's fun, and the money goes to something within our church. So thank you, I'll have a good day. Thank you. I did get a chance to have a great visit with Pastor Steve by phone yesterday afternoon. We've been texting back and forth some, and we've also been talking back and forth a few times, but one or two of those times, I think he had a little bit too much uh, medication, so I, I don't know what to think about what he was really sharing with us, but uh, yeah, um, we'll share this though. Uh, he had two procedures, for those of you who don't know, he had one on Thursday, and then, and then he had another one on Friday in order to get his back straightened out, and they did replace three discs, and uh, they did put a, a a, a cage in to you know keep everything straight, which was the second surgery. But um, his doctor, it's it's such a praise to Pastor Steve that uh, his doctor prayed with him. You know before they even scheduled the surgery, the doctor prayed with him the day of the surgery. The doctor prayed with him before and after each procedure, and then again Saturday morning his doctor came in and and prayed over him. And uh, his doctor says, asked his doctor, you know, well, how, how do you think it turned out? And he used the verbiage, he said, textbook perfect. So, and Pastor Steve's been on the prayer chain. The prayer chain has been, I mean, there's been people all over that's been praying and praying and praying for him. And uh, let's don't quit because we're getting the good news. Let's remember that, you know, God continues to heal. He said the incision in his back is bothering him. 
And so he's still got little things that's, you know, that he's working his way through. And, and it'll be a, the healing process will be a while. But, uh, you know, God has a healing hand. And God can just reach down and just put his healing hand on him. And so let's keep praying for that. And uh, if... <laughs> and here's a song you can join me in or not. Uh... deaf in my left ear today, so bear with me. This is going to sound like anything I wanted to. <laughs> in the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Stood. Oh well. <laughs> if you have a Bible with you, and you should, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. This is right after the book of the Judges. 1 Samuel 17, 32. And we read David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. 
David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Father, we thank you so much that you reach out to us with your word, with stories that help us so much understand life and how to put it together better with your direction, Lord. And this story is one of those that's taught us so much about dealing with difficulty, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I'll never forget in the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia, when a 22-year-old young lady from Woodland, Texas, whose nickname was Lala, literally captivated all America with her remarkable poise, her incredible charm, and, well, her irresistible joy. Standing five foot six inches tall and weighing a mere 115 pounds and competing with three broken bones in her right foot, Laura Wilkinson entered into the finals in the 10 meter platform diving event in fifth place, trailing both of the powerful Chinese divers and two very good Canadian divers. Her chances of winning a gold medal or of any medal were extremely remote. But then something remarkable happened she began nailing her dives, while the other divers who had been ahead of her started to falter. Suddenly, Laura found herself in first place with only one dive left. Going into that fifth and final dive, Laura climbed the platform, kicked off the protective shoe from her damaged foot, walked out to the edge of the platform, and did something no one would ever have imagined her doing under such pressure. She looked down at her parents and at her friends, and she smiled. Never happens. A moment later, she nailed her final dive and was awarded the gold medal. When asked what she attributed her remarkable success to, she said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's always the right answer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The year is 1025 BC. Saul is the king of the Israelites, the first king while Samuel wrote this account, and he is now a prophet of God, but also the last of the judges from that dark time when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Anyway, at this point in time, the Philistines, who hate the Israelites, are assembled on one side of the Valley of Elah, while Saul and his men are assembled on the other side. The Philistines have brought their greatest warrior, a giant named Goliath, who the Bible tells us is over nine feet tall nine feet tall. He is wearing a bronze helmet, a bronze coat of armor, a bronze coat of armor that weighs 125 pounds, and a bronze leg armor. He also has a bronze spear with a shaft as thick as a baseball bat, and an iron tip that alone weighs 15 pounds. Now Goliath stands and shouts across the valley, are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. As a note, it was customary in those times that wars were to be fought only between the two greatest warriors of the opposing armies. So technically, the man who should have gone out and fought Goliath was Saul. Saul, as nearly seven feet tall, was the tallest of all the Israelites. But Saul didn't think that was such a good idea. <laughs> and, and I don't blame him. Goliath still had him by two feet, two feet on, on top of him, and uh, I can't even imagine starting a fight with somebody who's two feet taller than I am, uh, and I won't. Anyway, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, 
Saul and all the other Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. Now, our Bible breaks away from our story to tell us about an elderly man, sorry, from Bethlehem named Jesse, who had eight sons. Three of them were already in Saul's army, but his youngest, a 15-year-old boy named David, is spending his days going back and forth from visiting Saul's army to tending his father's sheep in Bethlehem. In other words, David is just going back and forth all day long. He wants to be in Saul's army, but his father's got other commands for him, and he has no choice. He has to obey his father's commands. Anyway, Goliath, let's go this loud challenge again to the Israelite army, and it goes on for 40 more days. But guess who'd fight him? Nobody. Nobody would fight him. So God finally stepped in. Jesse, thinking it was all his own idea, sent his young son David from Jerusalem to the battle site in the Valley of Elah with food for his brothers. While he was there, David heard Goliath once again roar out his challenge to the frightened Israelites. David turned to some of the soldiers standing near him and asked, Who is this pagan Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Bible now tells us in 1 Samuel 17:31 what David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him and this brings us back to where we started and 1 Samuel 17:32 reads David said to Saul let no one lose heart account of this Philistine your servant will go and fight him I love this this is the whole army The whole army is terrified of Goliath, even tall Saul. He's terrified of Goliath, but this 15-year-old shepherd boy is ready to charge in and give him the one-way ticket to Palookaville. Thank you, Marlon Brando from On the Waterfront. Saul replied to David, you are not able to go out against this Philistine. He's then fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from the time of his youth. Saul says, you're not only too young and too small, but this guy's been a warrior for longer than you've been alive. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This pagan Philistine will be like, just like one of them because, because, catch this, he has defied the armies of the living God. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. David says, when a lion needed killing, I killed it. When a bear needed killing, I killed it too. This giant will be no different. He will not He will be defeated not because he's like a lion, not because he's like a bear, but because he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David adds, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. What David is saying is priceless. He's saying, it was the Lord who delivered me from the lion. It was the Lord who delivered me from the bear. It will be the Lord who delivers me from the giant. This reminds me of the story of Jonah, by the way. Jonah wasn't worried about being thrown overboard because he was certain that the Lord still had other plans for him. And Jesus wasn't worried about 
floating down or drowning in the Sea of Galilee big storm because he knew that the Lord wasn't done with him. And this portion is true for all of us. Nothing can defeat us if the Lord still has plans for us. Nothing can defeat us. And if the Lord doesn't have plans for us, it's time to probably go ahead and move on anyway. But now Saul gives David his blessing. Saul says, go, and the Lord be with you. Verse 38 says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fast, fastened the, his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. I like this. <laughs> he took them off. This is an important point. We will never win any battle dressed up looking like someone else. <laughs> Gideon said to the Lord, how can I defeat my Midianites? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. And God answered, just go in the strength you have. In King James, just go in this thy might. And this is true for all of us. Whatever the battle, whatever the battle, God has equipped each of us with special gifts for winning the battle. I cannot build a huge church simply by dressing up like Charles Stanley. I can't build a wonderful country music career by dressing up like Willie Nelson. To be sex successful, to be victorious, we each need to enter the battle with our special gifts that God has given us. Do you know what your special gift is yet? Anybody? Think about it. First thing that comes to your mind is probably it. Because <laughs> you already love it. You already like doing it. It's a matter of learning how to, play it, to apply it. So anyway, David recognizes this and he rejects the armor from Saul. Hard to do when Saul is the king uh, at that time. Verse 40, then he took off his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd bag, and with his hand, with his, hand his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. About two years ago, I wrote an Easter sermon, which I called, God is in the details. In it, I pointed out to a whole slew of little things about Resurrection Sunday, which unlike works of fiction, never played anything, anything more meaningful into the story. It's the sin of the story itself. It's like John outran Peter to the tomb. That's great. But Peter went in first. Well, that's great too. Uh, Jesus' headcloth was oddly separated from his body linens. Interesting. Well, Mary thought Jesus was a gardener, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. And my point is this, the only possible reason for including those details in that story was because they were true. That's the only reason they're there. There's no, they don't come into play. A, a novelist will write something and it'll go way ahead, they'll make sure this gets included later because this is gonna tie into this. And some novelists I know put the story on the wall all the way around the building and they, they put the last page first and they start working towards it. Whatever, whatever works for you, but this is, this is how we learn to do our best. And, I, and in this, it's very important because um, I believe that the battle mentions David selecting five smooth stones because, and hear me in this, because that's what happened. That's how many he chose, period, period. And we'll come back to this in just a minute. 
Meanwhile, Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. Goliath looked David over and said that he was the only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come with sticks? Come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I like that. The, the Bible tells us that David is handsome. That's another one of those details you never really hear much about again. It plays no real story except what? It's true. He was very handsome. I like knowing that. So thank you, God. Verse 44. Come here, Goliath said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I'm sure Goliath is expecting David to be cowering by now, but he wasn't. Not by a long shot. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of whom, the God of the, Israel, the, God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses to the Philistine army, to the birds of the air, and to the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know what? that there is a God in Israel. This is why we need to take time to find out what we've been gifted with and use it. He's going to learn that there is a God in Israel. Yay. Question, when will we know there's a God in Israel? Answer, well, when they see a young shepherd boy single-handedly defeat the entire Philistine army with just a slingshot. That's when you know there's a God in Israel. 47, verse 47. In though all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Interesting. It is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. He saves by his own dominion. He saves by how he chooses to do it. He saves by what thinks will work well. In Psalm 127 verse, uh, verse 1 unless the Lord builds the house the builders labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchmen stand in guard in vain this tells me that no matter what kind of weapons we bring into the fight hear me all our battles belong to the Lord all our battles belong to the Lord therefore we can't take credit for winning and we shouldn't despair about losing the battle belongs to the Lord we don't always know why we lose a battle, but we know this, he was in charge. We don't know always why we won a battle, but you know what, he was in charge. These things really matter. As the Philistine, verse 48, that's Goliath again, moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward him, toward the battle line to meet him. I love this. It's often said that any fight is won or lost before the first punch is ever thrown. I think that's true. David doesn't just enter this battle, he races into it boldly, confidently, fearlessly. And I don't care if you're a nine-foot giant, this has to be unnerving. Here, racing toward him is a 15-year-old boy with no weapon except a sling and with no armor except a, what I would call nerves of steel. That's armor. I promise, in his heart, Goliath has already lost this battle. In his heart, he's lost it. He can't justify this kid. He's so brave. So, reaching into his bag, 49, 
and taking out a stone, David slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank in, into his forehead and he fell face down onto the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Just like that. No fancy footwork, no bobbing and weaving, no trash talk. Just wham, one perfectly slung rock, well almost perfectly slung, right into his forehead. Verse 51 says, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he'd killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. When the Philistines saw their, their hero was dead, they turned and ran. They turned and ran. Um, David didn't really need to cut off Goliath's head. <laughs> he was already dead. This reminded me of that song in The Wizard of Oz about the wicked witch of the West. She wasn't only merely dead, she was really quite sincerely dead. <laughs> this is how I feel about our, our poor Philistine here. Anyway, this is how the victors in those days scared their enemies into submission. They overdid it, they overkilled them. When, and it worked. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Now, let me ask you some questions. What giant are you fighting? What giant are you fighting? What's taunting you? What's towering over you? What's looming so big in your life that you don't know how to beat it? Here's where our five smooth stones come in. And if you're a note taker, you might want to jot some of these down. First, dang, in our pouch we have the stone of peace. The stone of peace. Perhaps you are fighting the German, German, the giant, ugh, the giant of unforgiveness. Maybe there is someone or something in your life you just can't forgive. Or maybe it's you or something you've done that you just can't forgive. In either case, reach into your pouch, take out the stone of peace, and sling it at your giant. The very first thing Jesus said from the cross was, in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this is, not, this is true of them, it's true of me, it's true of you. The sad fact is, often we don't know what we're doing. So we need to conquer that giant. We need to make peace with that neighbor, make peace with that spouse, make peace with that ex-spouse, make peace with your child or any other relative. Make peace with a co-worker, make peace with using kind acquaintance, make peace with a person who's so disappointed you. Make peace with yourself. Make peace with yourself. The stone of peace will always slay the giant of unforgiveness. Hear me on this. The stone of peace will always slay the giant of unforgiveness. The only thing you can do with unforgiveness, by the way, which is not even a word, it was made up for these kinds of situations, not forgiving as close as you get. The reason you have to give up unforgiveness, though, is because if you don't, then it takes its toll on you your whole life. If you don't, if you don't let go of that feeling, which you can, and most of us do, it's going to take all kinds of tolls on your, your happiness. So the first stone is the stone of peace. The second stone is the stone of plenty. The stone of plenty. Maybe the giant you're fighting is the giant of poverty. Maybe you live in fear of going broke. 
Maybe you've used up most of your savings. Maybe you don't know where your next nickel is coming from. Maybe you don't know where to turn. Well, reach into your pouch and take out the stone of plenty and sling that stone at your giant. Our Bible tells us in Philippians 4.19, God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. He will supply all your need according to riches in glory by Jesus Christ. And David himself tells us, this is paraphrased in, in, paraphrased in Psalm 23.1, if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. I don't know about you, but that's the most basic line in the Bible to me. It came into play, and I've shared this before, but I, I had a big meeting with a publisher who was a scoundrel, and everybody knew it, and he cheated everybody he ever worked with, but he had a lot of money, and he was going to try to work a deal on me, and I was scared to death. Uh, so I did something we used to call Bible roulette. You turn the pages on the Bible, and you put your finger down there, and you look. And I did it. Guess what I got? The 23rd Psalm, verse 1. You, everything, you know, you, you get it, you all, everything's going to be provided for if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. And I bought that. Not just for that one meeting I was having. It occurred to me, I buy that. If the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to have, I'm gonna, I will not want for anything. It doesn't mean I'm going to not want things, but I will have no want for things. The right things will be filled, and it's guaranteed, gang. It's guaranteed. So, everything you've ever needed will be provided for. That's God's promise. David also wrote in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, I've, and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Use the stones of plenty. Use the stone of plenty. Sling into the giant and knock him down. God's provision will always defeat the enemy's poverty. This is true. If you don't believe this, you need to. It's true. God's provision will always defeat the enemy's poverty. A note on tithing. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the, whole tithing, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me. And see if the Lord, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will, excuse me, not have room for it. He said, bring the whole tithe. Bring what you got into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. You're bringing it all in, but here's what's going to happen. The Lord says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Anybody believe that? It's been my observation, I mean, I mean this with all my heart, that every Christian I have ever known who gives 10% of their earnings to God, uh, invariably continues doing it for the rest of their lives. It so quickly shapes up that he meant that. He's pouring out things I don't have room for. He's got, this is this amazing. Take him at his word. Why? Because God is faithful to pour out the blessings he has promised. And those blessings are so bountiful, we don't even have room for all of them. It's his promise that's important. It's his word that's important. It's in his Bible that's important. And that makes it true. And that's very important. Anyway, the first stone is the stone of peace. The second stone is the stone of plenty. And the third stone is an odd little stone called the stone of piety. 
Maybe the main giant you are fighting is the giant of sin. Guess what? That's the one giant we're all fighting. <laughs> but perhaps there's one sin, one addiction, one certain behavior, one bad habit that's just too big for you, that is constantly overwhelming you, that is forever bullying you and taunting you. Well, if that's you, reach into your bag, take out the stone of piety, and sling it at this giant. Over the years, over the years, the word piety has lost its original meaning. meaning. Today, piety means really kind of negative and stuck up on all kinds of stuff, but originally, piety meant devoted to godliness. Devoted to godliness. When I first became a pastor 27 years ago, Jeannie, my wife, painted a picture for me which she put on a shelf of our bedroom. It was hilarious. There was this guy just kind of walking around the field rejoicing, and at the bottom of the picture she had written Psalm 119.45, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. You get that? I can walk about in freedom, because I've sought out your precepts. I know what they are, and I live by them. And you don't get in trouble doing that. I, you know, you just devote yourself to godliness. Here's how to take down the giant of sin. Just sling the stone of piety at him. Sin cannot st stand up to godly behavior. They can't do it. One of my favorite verses of script is Romans 6.21. What fruit had you then, and those things whereof you are now ashamed? I've always liked this because it reminds me of when I lived at the beach. <laughs> I'm ashamed of everything I did at the beach, and that's just how it works. What fruit had you then for those things wherever you are now ashamed can be applied now? When you're getting ready to do something you know is a little naughty, what fruit are you going to get out of that? Is it really worth doing? Is it really worth something? Is it going to be worth the time you're putting into it? Mostly things like that. Anyway, my answer to that question was none. I had none. I had none fruit. And neither do you. When I follow God's precepts, when I obey God's rules, when I live in accordance with God's word, when I am devoted to godly behavior, then the giant of sin has not got a chance. He has not got a chance. The stone of piety will defeat him every single time. So the first stone is the stone of peace. The second stone is the stone of plenty. The third stone is the telephone. The stone of piety is another name for it. The fourth stone is, here it comes, the stone of purpose. Now everyone ought to start leaning forward to this. Maybe the giant you are fighting, hear me on this, I don't know whether you are or not. Maybe the giant you are fighting is the giant of insignificance. Of insignificance. Maybe you've lost your direction. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost... Maybe, you, I'm sorry, you're facing a gigantic, empty horizon. Maybe you feel like you've never accomplished much of anything. Well, reach into your bag, take out the stone of purpose, and sling it at that giant. Boom! God always has a purpose for your life. God always has a purpose. God always has something for you to do. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God hath prepared in advance for us to do. So whether or not you know it, God has good works prepared for you to do. Maybe you've already started them, maybe you've done a lot of them, but they never run out, and they're all good, and they all are promising, and they all have purpose. They all have purpose.
This, oh, oh sorry. Anyway. There we go. What did I just read? Did I read you the Stone of Power? Or are we still on piety? No, we're on purpose. Bang. That's it. The, the fourth stone is a stone of purpose. The fifth stone is the stone of power. Why am I getting lost here? If you are overwhelmed by life's problems, if you feel crushed by your life's obligations, if you feel staggered by life's changes, and maybe you feel incapable of changing any of it, this is the time for you to reach into your bag and take out the same stone that Laura Lala Wilkinson used to win the gold medal in Sydney, Australia. Take out the stone of power, then sling it with all your might at your giant. I promise he'll go down like the like the Titanic, the stone of power. Oh yeah, what was the stone of power? This is the stone of power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the stone of power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all, A-L-L, -L, things through Christ who strengthens me. In the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, Laura Lala Wilkinson whispered, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me before each dive, and she won the gold medal. In 2004, in the Summer Olympics in Athens, Laura Lala Wilkinson whispered, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me before each dive, and she placed fifth. In the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, Laura Lala Wilkinson whispered, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me before each dive, and she placed ninth. Her coach, Kenny Armstrong, said it was clear from Wilkinson's first dive that Laura's arm was not strong enough to keep her up, uh, upright when she landed her dives, and it wasn't. Unable to enter the water properly with her arms straight, she made just big entry splashes and, and failed to defeat the other divers. She fell to 11th place among 12 other divers, and she came up with no Olympic medal at all. It turned out to be the very last time she ever did her diving. Coach Armstrong told reporters she didn't land one entry tonight. She couldn't, not with her arm, injured arm, I'm just happy she didn't locate her shoulder. She's up in age and she's been up that high dive platform for a long, long time. It was just about this time when Laura walked up and asked him, are you saying I'm old? <laughs> then they both laughed and exchanged hugs. She's a great champion, Armstrong said after she left. She left, in all, she left it all in the pool like she always does. And then she comes out here and she, with her head held high. So let me see. She was badly injured. She finished in ninth place. Her Olympic career was over, and yet she came out smiling, joking, and laughing with her head held high. How did she do all that? Well, let's see. Because she can do all things through Christ who strengthens her. Paul the Apostle put it this way, Philippians 4.18, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. In other words, I know how to be poor and I know how to be rich. I know how to be hungry and I know how to be full. I know how to win and I know how to lose. And I'm fine no matter what. I'm fine no matter what. If you don't believe me, ask me straight up. 
PK, are you happy where are we going? Yeah. I'm always going closer to the Lord. I'm on his path. I never, I never get off of it. I just keep looking forward to the wonderful times ahead. Wonderful times ahead. Um, this is the stone of power. There is no giant, that's no giant, who can stand up against one of God's warriors slinging the stone of power at him. What's your stone of power? What's your stone of power? Your stone of power is the stone you, you haul at these people. In sum, nothing on this earth can defeat the strength of Christ that resides in each one of us. Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here. No one, no, um, sorry. No one can defeat the strength of Christ. We need to remember, the only thing I'd like you to remember from this talk, if you would, we have five smooth stones. The stone of peace, the stone of plenty, the stone of piety, the stone of purpose, the stone of power. And we need to sling these stones at any giant that the world sends out against us. And always remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that uh, you are here to help us. You've brought us to you, and you haven't left, left us unequipped. We have everything we need to be good, strong Christian men and women. Lord, help us to understand better if we're having trouble knowing which of our, our strengths that you've given us or the ones you really want us to use. Normally, Lord, I know that with me anyway, you let me know through the warmth of the, the idea that I can get to do it. If it seems like a great idea, it is, because it's from you. So, Lord, just reach out and talk to us. To, if we're struggling, reach out and touch us if we need that. And, Lord, just thank you again for all the things that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. And I got one song, and then we'll... If you want to stand...